Welcome to Real Talk from the heart of Allen County, where we explore the lives of La Harp residents. No filters, true stories, just real talk. I'm your host, Richard Lucan. And I'm Tim Stauffer, your co-host. Let's get started. So uh, we are talking with Ray Maloney of Ray's Metal, who has graciously taken time out of his busy schedule to sit down with us just to talk about mainly just things going on with him and things on the agenda and just life in general. Uh, I guess to start, I was curious, I know you have been working with the City of Iola, or City of La Harp, excuse me, about the, the tiny homes ordinance and so where is that and are, are they ready to start placing tiny homes or what else needs to be done with that they were supposed to have a some kind of a, a deal on the agenda to have that all sorted out i haven't heard final word but the last that i knew uh they was going to offer you know cut the old ordinance in half you're supposed to have a thousand square feet and be worth fifty thousand dollars and they were going to uh thinking about cutting that in half where you can have a 500 square foot home and uh, $25,000 of value and still get some type of an incentive to come into the heart. Sure. Uh, the incentive amounted to a 10-year tax abatement, which was prorated after five years, yeah. 100% five years, and then it was prorated for the, for the remainder five years. Uh, they used to uh, put your utilities up to the house. Right. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. from where you were and hook up, but I think now they're talking like you're going to have to run your sewer out to the main. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And uh, they thought that they was uh, it was pretty expensive for them to do all of that uh -huh. and then give the tax abatement and everything. But on uh, by taking that part of it away, by not hooking the electric up to the side of the house, you got to run from the meter to the house and then from the main sewer to the house. Uh, they thought that they, last I heard, they were talking about giving you like a $500 uh, bonus thing that could go towards your utility bill or, you know, uh, whatever fees you might have had to get the house in there to the city. So the city would give you like a $500 credit. Sure. Was the last I knew, but uh, haven't heard anything really on the official. Now, and correct me if I'm wrong, the tiny homes, that's, that's kind of been your, you were kind of the driving force behind that, were you not with the, with the, Regional Rural Technology Center to get them to implement that with their construction trades class. Right, exactly. Uh, when I first uh, we first started the program out there, we thought that maybe we could even incorporate the welding class into that. Put these little homes on trailers like you see on TV. Oh, sure. But uh, you know, we didn't go that route. So we're just building a, a house uh, houses on the on the floor inside the building. Uh, the district. Uh, tech center people modified the building, made the door bigger so we could build these houses in there, jack them up, and have room yeah. to, to get them out and move them to wherever right. we want to. And so now, will the well, do you think that could be done maybe next year or the year after that, or is that just up to them to decide yeah. or kind of? Yeah, that's up to them. I yeah. don't know. That's kind of pretty far back on the burner. I got gotcha. you. But gotcha. it is an option. I mean, yeah. we have a door between those two classrooms there in the building to where they could build a frame in the welding mm -hmm. side and then pull it across. Wow. But uh, I don't know if that part of materialized. I'm just happy that we've got the houses <laughs> kind of started without. Exactly. And so now they're they're working on one now, correct? Where exactly. it will be, it'll be done, did you think, by the end of the year? Is that right? I'm not sure. Not they, sure on we, that. That was the goal. 
but uh, with all the breaks and vacations and this and that, yeah. uh, it might be the first part of next year, you know, uh, next semester. Sure. For fall season before it's done. Okay. Uh, I talked to uh, Larry Barnett, who's been volunteering his time out there uh, and helping. And I think he's only missed three days. Uh, he told me this morning he come in and was needing a few supplies and stuff. And uh, he's been out there, you know, all this time, you know, like I say, volunteering his time. Uh, and uh, they were going to start putting shingles on. Today. Oh, okay. So rough instructions done, and uh, they were going to start shingling, but uh, we're waiting on some plumbing parts. Uh, you couldn't shingle the whole thing because we got to run some roof vents, you know, some uh, plumbing vents through the roof. Okay, so go sure. As far as he could. Yeah. <laughs> he was, Larry Barnett was a building trades teacher when I was in high school. Yes, very, so, very good. Yeah. Yeah. Ray, I'd like to kind of take a step back, and maybe for those who don't know you or haven't, I've been familiar with, with Ray's Metal Depot. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you, how'd you get to be passionate about kind of the La Harpe community? And, and, and well, been in, uh, born and raised here, born at the old Idle Hospital. And, uh, really? Yeah, sure was. Uh, lived in this area my whole life. Uh, actually, we moved to La Harpe when I was six, I think, back in 68. I think that's when that would have been. Huh. And, uh, lived in a house in La Harp and then in uh, uh, six years later I think it was we dad built a house kind of a mile out of La Harp on some ground that he bought and I was there until I was 18 huh. so uh, when I graduated I moved back into La Harp so just been been around within a one mile radius of that area where I was raised at my whole life so and what motivates you to get so involved in, in various projects in La Harp because in addition to the tiny homes, I, we were just talking about this earlier. You were a big supporter of the recent bond issue for USD 257 schools. And I mean, there's numerous initiatives that you've been involved in. Where, where does that spirit come from? Well, you know, basically it's kind of a selfish part, to be honest with you. Uh, I just thought we needed a few more people in the workforce around here, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of help build things and pay for things. Mm -hmm. So uh, instead of just a couple couple of people out there, you know, that owned everything, or you know, your property taxes and all that stuff. Uh, I'd like to get more people involved, and, and you have to start with the kids. Mm -hmm. So uh, if we can get some of them kids to stay in the area around here, you know, doing work that the older generations are, are retiring, so there's really no contractors, uh, you know, to build things, there's no plumbers, you know, we just lost another plumber with DNR plumbing DNR. that, mm -hmm. that uh, went out, he retired, and uh, uh, same way with electricians. I see we are getting a few electricians, you know, back in town, and uh, Herbert, he was real good with us. He's, he started a business here in town, and he was volunteered his time on the mini home. You know? Oh, okay. That's so great. They went out there, and uh, we had the supplies there, and they wired that all up, showed the kids some of the basics, huh. you know, on that, and they volunteered his time to do that. Uh, on that line, you know, same way with the plumbers, uh, CDL, that's uh, based in Humboldt now. I mm -hmm. yeah. uh, they're uh, donated their time to do the do the plumbing on the project. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, but anyway, that's where I'm at on that. Just trying to trying to build, keep the community built up. It seemed like uh, when these kids graduated, you know, everybody just kind of packed up and left. Where when I graduated back in '80, a lot of a lot of our people were still here. <laughs>
the regional rural tech center been around? Was it 16 was when it opened, yeah. What have you noticed? Have you felt an energy with yeah, this presence I mean, there? Sure have. We get a lot of positive response. People come into my business and we've done there. We've got a really super team, uh, you know, that keeps that thing going with all the school districts, Stacy Fager and, mm -hmm. and uh, Ken McWhorter was the big driving force when this all started back in yeah. 2016. Uh, so uh, Melissa Stifler is really, I think they kind of gave her a title of something with the tech center out there. And she's really great on keeping the, uh, keeping the kids interested <laughs> and things like that. So yeah. uh, they took the sophomore class out there here a week or two ago had like 79 or so Oh, wow, kids, that many kids. Went out there, yeah. Oh, that's and great. It, it's still kind of amazing that uh, and without people like Stacy and, and Melissa and, and the other districts, uh, you know, Kim Ensminger, Moran, and all of those uh, getting involved with this thing, the kids really don't know what's going on out there, yeah. you know, unless you're out there. So these field trip things, really make a big difference. They go out there and they see, hey, this is something that maybe I'd like to do. Didn't know this was, you know, a, an opportunity or possibility mm -hmm. for for us in the school. So, and, you know, plus with uh, when uh, Mr. Kane was here, he got that uh, embedded credit put mm -hmm. in. So now you can get a math credit or an English credit or something you might be suffering in like I was when I was in school. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can still get your your credits to graduate yep. so uh, big team effort uh, a lot of good people yeah. so now when you graduated high school you didn't start immediately by starting your own business is that right or you went out to, was it Klein Tool yeah, at that point? When I, when I graduated actually I was working for Debolt uh, oh okay out there. I was the uh, yard foreman out there so I kind of maintained the yard made sure the bins were all stocked it was a lot different and this is when you graduated high school. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Uh, for that uh, summer. So I'd worked out there since I was like 12 years old. I was mowing the grass and doing things for Larry when he was kind of running. Sure. And then Don took over and mm -hmm. I uh, uh, ran it there. I worked for my dad in between them times building houses and spec houses uh, that he built. He built a lot of houses around this area. So, uh, but then in... Uh, uh, 81, January of 81 is when I started working for Client Tools, and I was there about 10 years. So when did you start your own business? Was I started it in 1990. 1990? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Clients let me go. Huh. Uh, we started Raised Metal in July of 1990. And was that just a leap of faith on your part, or did you say, you know, we need this here, we need a need a metal salvage? Kind of uh, at the time, uh, we had, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when, John, uh, what was his name, had the, right by the high school, just down from the high, high school. I don't there. know. Uh, had that scrapyard there, and the rail ran through there. Okay, yeah, that was uh, before my, Johnny, I don't remember that. Crap, something like, anyway, I can't remember yeah. that. You'll remember it the yeah. yeah. second you leave here. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he kind of went, went under, um, and then Rick Michaels and his dad started a place just uh, west of town here, this side of the river. Uh, they had a little scrapyard thing going there. Then the state bought them out for the new highway. Okay, uh -huh. sure, sure. So they gave up. Then there was another guy named Jesse Coberly that actually was at the old foundry and started, uh, you know, buying junk and stuff in there. But 
you know, scrapyard, it's a necessary evil, but it's not so pretty. Right. Why do you say a necessary evil? Well, <laughs> you got to have places to go with this, you know, go with your stuff. You know, if you mm -hmm. want to try to recycle, you can't just let your old refrigerator and your stove sit on your porch. You know, the city <laughs> has ordinances and stuff, so mm -hmm. uh, rather than take it to the landfill, you yeah. know, and get nothing for it, right. you know, you can bring it to the recycling center and, and, and accumulate a little bit of money. So I seen that kind of need, and uh, I was going to need something to do anyway when I could see the writing on the wall with Klein Tools because, uh, you know, they, I was a supervisor of 14 guys and, uh, in uh, 89, and then October of 89, they downsized and they had five. So, oh, wow. You know, I need a full-blown yeah. supervisor for five, for five guys. Right. So they made one of them a lead man and let me go. Mm -hmm. So uh, anyway, by that time, I had raised, kind of started. I'd been working through the summer, and I got my scales in. and mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of moonlighting out there, you know, where we're at our location right now. Sure. How many employees do you have out there? I've got four right yeah. now, count me. So. Yeah, we've had as many as six or eight back in uh, 2006 when the China Industrial Revolution thing was going on. They were, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, scrap was really high. And 20, they were building like crazy. Yeah, airport the every year. Yeah, yeah, they had the Olympics out there, and that mm -hmm. that helped. Uh, and then they they kind of kept going until about 2011, and then things kind of died off a little bit. Yeah. And. Uh, Prices haven't been the same since about 2012, so things kind of deteriorated. That's been a while. It's been eight years. Yeah, been, yeah. been a long time. And uh, last year, or the, uh, they implemented uh, another program in China. And it's amazing that that uh, you know China's that big of a player. You wouldn't think. Yeah, you'd, you'd, yeah. nobody would realize sitting here in La Harp that something halfway across the globe would yeah, would be yeah. affecting how yeah. you, how affect, you do it. Would affect me. So, but. Uh, yeah, they uh, they they got green, so to say, <laughs> you know, and they needed to. I mean, you see on TV, and then people are, you know, having to wear face masks. You couldn't hardly see your hand and right. your face mm -hmm. in that country, and that was because you know the USA was part of that problem, along with other players in the world. All of our basically kind of stuff that we didn't want to mess with went to China. So <laughs> gets over there, and recycling is uh, really dependent on fire. You know, it seems like everything that you recycle has to be heated up, melted, or, yeah. you know, in order to process it right. So, uh, a lot of air pollution kind of stuff going on over there. Yeah. Uh, so, when they got green, they don't buy anything like that from us anymore. And that's what's happening with your curbside recycling, with your plastics and all that stuff. Since China's out. Just not the market, not the price anymore. Yeah, yeah. That market's gone away. Yeah. So, uh, and it's the same way with the metal markets. Now our stuff has to go to Pakistan or Malaysia or India. Mm -hmm. So now there's freight getting it there. And then those people have to touch it. Of course, they make a little bit on it, but whoever touches it, and then they got to, after they touch it and uh, uh, make an aluminum bar or a copper bar or whatever, then it goes to China. And they still buy the same amount. But instead of processing the material one time, like, you know, melting a engine block, and then when it's melted, pouring it down a trough and making another engine block or something out of it, now they got a bar that, you know, that comes from India or, wow. or somewhere else. So they got to melt it again. <laughs> and then they make it. I imagine, clean. I imagine when you first started, you had no idea that you'd be involved in kind of a, a global economic 
process there. No idea at all. I just, uh, you know, figured I'd be collecting aluminum cans and going, <laughs> going to Joplin, Kansas City. And stuff right. And uh, on top of raised metal, I know you also own the old Klein Tool plant, is that right, where they have the seed seed yep. plant and everything kind of diversified, and then you farm as well, yep. is that right? We've got some farm acres and, uh, and have Aaron and Ron Coltrane uh, crop sharing on the farm stuff, really great guys, yeah. uh, good farmers, uh, have two businesses out at the old uh, Klein Tool Building there in Durant, have Elliott Protein and Feed, they're great people, you know, out there, they're doing non-GMO uh, right. grain and feed and seed and stuff out there. And then we started a, another business with a couple of other guys uh, doing oil-filled downhole pump parts out there. So got to spend a bunch of money and bought some new CNC machines and stuff like that, which uh, eventually maybe we can incorporate even some CNC stuff, you know, with the tech center. That oh, wow. Kinda, yeah. You know, my plan, but, uh, uh, you know, got all these other arms in the fire right now. <laughs> uh, and, or go ahead, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I was going to ask. As you look kind of, since you've been here for so long and you look back and look to the future, what, what have been the big changes in the community around here? What have you seen as kind of like, wow, things are a lot different because well, of this? Yeah, well, we, we lost a lot of industry. That was one thing. You know, we had, of course, uh, back in 75, and I think Ray Purcell was probably a big leader in a, you know, a city leader in that stuff. And mm -hmm. He got... Uh, you know, Gates Rubber to come out here. You got Holdex Brake to come out here. Yeah. You got uh, Klein Tools to come out here. That's all happened about in '75. I mean, this was a booming, yeah, booming deal. Absolutely. Back then, uh, Klein's, of course, they went out in the early 2000s. Holdex uh, about the same. You know, everybody was moving to Mexico after that NAFTA trade thing. Everybody could get stuff done cheaper anywhere yeah. but here. Yeah. Uh, biggest mistake I think we ever was made. That trade deal. There. Yeah. So, uh, but you think anyway, the loss of industry has been key, right? Yeah, to yeah, a declining population. And yeah, yeah. So, what's the way forward? Because I worry about no way yeah. to bring that industry back. I, you I know, I don't know. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to say, okay, we're bringing that, you know. Right. I agree with you. I'm, uh, uh, that was another major thing with the tech center is uh, you can't get industry in here if you don't have a workforce. Okay. And uh, mm -hmm. you got to have a trained workforce, and it just doesn't seem like we have that here anymore. So mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, with these kids doing construction and the wind farm technology mm -hmm. out there, now we're getting nursing and stuff, maybe we can get partial training, you know, some of the main things mm -hmm. trained and get some people out here. I uh, worry, you know, you hear that uh, Russell Stover's is going to shut down a couple of plants in Colorado would come this way and you're talking mm -hmm. what I've heard three to five hundred people the where are they gonna get yeah. yeah where are they gonna get their get their people, people yeah uh, around here so uh, uh, hopefully we can uh, uh, hope it all works out for them right but, uh, that's that's one of the key things is just trying to get a workforce that you know can uh, show up for work in anything but pajama pants and flip-flops <laughs> <laughs>
real hard drive. Allen County's working hard to try to get other businesses to come in here, but it just seems like you just can't get that step, you know, to get them. And, and things have changed when it comes to uh, uh, bringing other industry in. And instead of an industry now kind of wanting to come in and help the community and be, you know, a part of the community, which all of these businesses that are here now are, but when they first come in, it's what can you do for me? You give them like, yeah, what kind of a break can you give right. us or yeah, for that? Kind of like Arminium. Can you give us a 10-year tax abatement? Everybody's mm -hmm. got to have a tax abatement. Can you give us a building? Can you give us some land? Can you help us What do you attribute that to? I just... The change in culture? Is it a change in the bottom line for corporations and businesses? They just... The cost of business is so much more than before? Well, I think it's mainly the competition to get business in your community. Uh -huh. uh, you know, these these towns and states uh, all want to try to get people and try to employ their people. And, uh, you know, obviously you see what's going on in Chanute. Chanute's a good example of, you know, uh, giving a lot of stuff away right. over that way. I know their taxes are a little higher here than, than they are here, but... We entertain those same people here, mm -hmm. you know, to try to get them here, but we couldn't offer them what Chanute offered them. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, when Spirit went to Chanute, I offered them the Klein Tool Building rent-free for five years. The city of Moran offered them water at cost. Thrive offered to pay their taxes and uh, utilities and stuff. And, you know, so we had a, what, a half a million dollar proposal where they went to Chanute and got a two or three million dollars. Right. So I mean it's kind of a no-brainer. So where are you gonna go? I, that, that's an interesting point. So as you look at kind of since the kind of the demise of American manufacturing and industry jobs, is that sector has kind of just been whittled away yep. <laughs> over yep. the last 30 years and you see towns and cities and states become more and more desperate to bring in companies in industry by offering tax rebates and all sorts of incentives. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about New York City's uh, offer to Amazon, right? I mean, right. Yeah. it was in the billions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. What else can communities offer? And I think you kind of alluded to something by saying, you know, educated workforce, workforce mm -hmm. but what else can communities offer these, these businesses that say, hey, you know what? Iola or La Harp or Marin is the right place. What, what else can, can communities focus on? If it's not just saying, okay, we'll give you this for free. That's a, that's a very good question. I, uh, you know, other than having, a, you know, the educated workforce or something that can keep them guys here, uh, I really don't know. It, it, everything's kind of, there's no family organization anymore, you know, business-wise. Everything's got corporate, so it's all about their bottom lines. Right. Of course, the more they can get for free, the, uh, you know, the the better their CEO, whoever looks to the shareholders and right. that. Uh, I think you've noticed too, you know, when when these three companies come in, I know Klein's was family owned. Mm -hmm. You know, Matthias Klein Jr. Mm -hmm. was the guy that owned Klein's. And, uh, you know, when Gates come in, Gates family owned yeah. Gates. When Russell yeah. Stover's come in. It was the Ward Brothers. Yeah, that, he, yeah. yeah, he owned them. Now, those entities have all sold and, and now uh, uh, traded companies, you know, on uh, on, uh, on stock, stock market. And that, yeah. So now instead of mm -hmm. like $50 million a year is good enough, you know, if you got like the clients, I don't know how much they made, but let's say they made $50 million a year, 
and uh, they said, hey, you know, 40 billion is good enough for us. You know, there's four of us, we'll split, split it up. Then the other 10 can go to the employees. You know, back in uh, 89, I was making over $13 an hour working for Klein Tools. And, in you know, 1989. A, in 89. Mm -hmm. And that's a big pay around here now. That's, yeah. That's what, 30 years? Uh, Without know, even taking inflation into right. account. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, it is a share thing, you know, with uh, companies, but, but when you have uh, publicly traded companies, you got more people's finger in the pie. Right. You know, you got all your shareholders, you got your CEOs, you got all that stuff. So they think they have to make more, there's got to be more profit made so that you're you can you can pay your shareholders and the stockholders and all that stuff. So, uh. well, it's neither here nor there. But well, I, I actually think if I could kind of channel, we were out at the college a couple weeks ago for that community forum about the pool, and I think one big thing that well, one thing that I think some people think might be part of the answer and that helps get that educated workforce staying so that when companies look to invest, they have the educated workforce that they need is, are these quality of life issues, you know, um, like the schools and the pool, you know, it, that whole new um, activity center. But I remember that being one distinct kind of side in the conversation. I don't think there were two sides. I mean, there were a lot of different people with a lot of different opinions at that meeting, but Definitely a lot of the pro-pool um, arguments were that this is what's going to keep people here so that when a business comes or they'll start their own business because they want to stay here or their kids will want to come around. Yeah, I, Do you uh, think that, do, I mean, where do you kind of fall on that? Yeah, I've heard that argument and it kind of makes sense, but, you know, it's kind of back to the you build it, they will come thing. Yeah. And I'm not too sure that that's happening mm -hmm. much anymore, is it? I mean... You know, we built a big water plant, you know, outside of town there. Uh, nice looking facility and everything, thinking that that would keep people here or draw business in, and it really hasn't done anything. We're hoping, uh, you know, of course, this wasn't the reason why we, uh, we fought so hard to get the school bond issue here, was that maybe having new facilities and, you know, upgraded, uh, uh, better economical, you know, for the for the school district itself, as far as heating and cooling and trying to save money that way, does save mm -hmm. money consolidating facilities. Right. I think that's something that a lot of people overlook. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so we thought by maybe that would even, you know, because we'd heard rumors that when business come into town, that there really wasn't anything to do here. They didn't like, you know, so uh, possibly this might be something that would get them you know, get them to come and then of course keep young people here to raise kids you're going to put your kid in a new school and hopefully this project doesn't just stop with the grade school, you know, maybe it'll, you know, the mm -hmm. long-term plan uh, will be to get another site group or something together, maybe in 10 or 15 years or something okay. and continue, you know, kind of what, uh, what we started, so. Yeah, I don't know, I, I mean, personally I'm kind of of the mentality that if I see a community if I'm a business executive from Overland Park or, you know, Chicago area or New York City where I'm, you know, from mm -hmm. wherever a lot of these are, and I see a community that doesn't even invest in itself, I kind of, you know, I'm less likely to say, okay, this is a good yeah. good place for me to do business yeah. in. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. How, how can I 
be assured that they'll give me the things that I'm looking for as a business owner and investor that's, if they're not willing to take the bet on themselves. Right, that's a very good point. Right? And I think like the regional rural tech center and saying, you know what, if we develop these kids, give them the skills so that not only can they be hireable, but they can also be entrepreneurs. Right. You know, I think that's... Just yesterday I read that wind energy surpassed um, uh, hydroelectric energy for the first time yeah. hmm. in our country's history. Um, you, you touching back on the on the tech center when it was I, I I was able to sit in on a couple of those planning meetings like that and I was always struck because you gave credit where it was due like with Ken McWhorter and Stacy Bader and Jack Kane and that I think if you asked them they would turn around and point to Ray Maloney as the key figure who got all of this put together because it always seemed like at these meetings, they would say, well, we really need to worry about this. And then you were the one who come up with the solution by getting the buildings in place and then getting them fitted in place and kind of getting the whole infrastructure in place for them to where essentially all they had to do at that point was just go to the colleges and say, hey, you want to take part in this? And it just kind of seemed like you were kind of the pivotal figure in making all of this possible. I, I, I don't know that there's a question in there, but... I guess, do you, I mean, where did that come from? I know you kind of talk about somewhat of a selfish motive, but it just seems like there's a lot of businesses around here who would love to have qualified. I don't remember any of them stepping and taking the steps that you did. Right, but, uh, you know, it's going back to my selfish motive thing, you know, trying to get people to stay around here. Uh, you know, we've really been blessed out at Rage. You know, we did good when times were good, we worked hard at it. You know, mm -hmm. Kind of started from nothing, got things, and it's just a way to give back. But, you know, I really can't take uh, the credit for that thing. I mean, yeah, they needed a building, and I had an opportunity, you know, to take advantage of of uh, somebody else's kind of problem. You know, I, I, I'd much rather, uh, you know, I wish Don Debo could have could have stayed afloat and kept that thing going. Yeah. I mean, I really miss that place out there a lot. but. <laughs> But uh, what happened happened, and uh, I was there, and fortunately had the revenues to to pick that place up, and uh, and but I could have, and I've said this a hundred times, you know, I could have gave them ten buildings, you know, brand new buildings and all kind of money, but without those people sitting there, you know, to put the butts in the chairs, yeah. you know, my deal would have been nothing. I mean, I'd just be sitting on empty buildings. So. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Rat. Yeah. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. No problem at all. Anytime. Oh, cool. Awesome. You need me. I'm here. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Richard. You bet. Yeah. Thank you, guys. And that's what's real. We'll see you next time. Real Talk is produced by the Iola Register and supported by Thrive Allen County, Kansas Health Foundation, the Health Forward Foundation, and the residents of La Harp. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to Real Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Real Talk or find us on iolaregister.com. And don't forget to like the Laharp Pride Facebook page to stay up to date.